You're listening to the Black Compass Podcast, the show that brings you real talk from women about culture, career, justice, and wellness, all all in the pursuit of Black excellence. With your host, Dynasty Hunt and Dr. Jess Williams. Hey, y'all, we are back. It is the new year, and it's been a while. It has been a while, and I feel like it's the new year, and yet, in some ways, I think people are still trying to carry over 2020 into 2021, and I'm like, hold on, we're not doing that again. Can we please shift how we are operating right now? Most definitely. I think part of it is is that now we're up on a one-year anniversary of the pandemic, and you're looking for, like, that space, you know, how people say, oh, it's a new year, it's a new you, reset yourself. And it's kind of hard to reset yourself when you're still in pandemic mode. Yeah, I think there's such a like, and I don't think people are understanding or recognizing that we're still in pandemic mode. Like, I think people all of a sudden, it was 2021, the clock struck midnight, it became January 1st, 2021. And then people were like, cool, we're back to normal. Because what I'm seeing is like at work and other places, the expectations of individuals is so much higher. People are like, oh, it's so much higher. And then I think to myself, is it really higher? Or is that the normal that we had pre-pandemic? And now we're seeing it play out. And now we're like, wow, now that we're still in a pandemic and people are just like, let's go back to quote unquote normal, we're realizing how abnormal, how harmful that is to any individual because you're being asked to give so much of yourself and you do not have time for you and you don't have time for yourself. I agree with that. I think it's also the piece of that within this year, we have set high expectations by the way we've been working from home. When we were in the workplace, it's like, you'll go see Susie, you'll go see Annie, it'll take you 15 minutes to get across to another campus or wherever else you have to go. It was more time to be able to take your time to finish tasks or to get to a meeting. Does that make sense? Versus now, I think a lot of folks have unexpectedly set higher expectations and now we're starting to see it. Yeah, I think we are too. And I think we're also starting to just see overall individuals starting to push back. Like I know for myself, I'm starting to push back on these high expectations because they never should have been in place for me in the first place. And like, how are you expecting how I should sort of act or perform and putting that weight on me and then not being respectful or mindful of what I may have going on, what I may be experiencing. And we were doing that, you know what I mean? Like we were going to offices and that was happening every day. And I think now that a lot of us are still at home or in places where we're doing sort of a hybrid approach, it is more clear that that is not something that should be taking place and not something we should be putting on people. But yet there still is this dominant culture practice of, but this is the way we've operated and this is what it's supposed to look like. So we're just supposed to do it this way. Right. But that's how come you have increased leave of absences at work. That's why you have folks who really are not performing because they're unhappy with their workload and that when everybody go back to work or however companies are managing roles and responsibilities in a workplace, that is a piece that needs to be re-looked at from a number of lenses. Is it productive for 
X amount of people to do this, right? Are our practices around our roles and responsibility, are they being inclusive? Can this really be held on a group format? Or really looking at leaders and people manager roles of, okay, maybe that's something that a people manager should be doing because that would allow that people manager to connect with their team, to get to know their Mm -hmm. team, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's gonna be a lot of, piecing apart because people do a lot and it's more than what's in the job description, right? And that makes it hard sometimes to set those boundaries, especially if you're an individual that's very creative, that you can get started, you can develop things, you can execute, you can pull it through by deadlines, you know? So you tend to bite off more than you can chew, but as an individual, you also have to set those healthy boundaries of, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? What is this achieving? How am I doing this? Like all those things you just talked about, Jess, are so important, particularly that how, because I don't think individuals have taken the time to step back and go, the work actually has shifted. Even if the work on paper looks the same, it actually has shifted because you're in a different environment. The way in which you have to perform and do that work looks very different. But yeah, we're not having those conversations. We're not examining to your point of, should we even be doing this work and to for what purpose and for who? And then I I think the other thing is people are not realizing the burden and the unequal burden that black women in workplaces are facing because they're like, oh, well, everybody's at home. And I'm seeing articles, it's so interesting. I'm seeing articles saying, well, if you're at home, you're experiencing less like macro, micro. I think there's all aggressions. Like, I don't think it's macro or micro. I think it's just all aggressions. So you experience less right. of those, possibly. But the reality is the burden that is put on us right now and that's been put on us in the last year has escalated in terms of education, how we show up, how we're educating other people in our organization. And what that's turning into is we not only don't have time for ourselves, we are also not having time for the things that we want to commit to, the goals that we want to set, because we are expected to be everything for everybody else. And then no one is respecting the boundaries of like what we may need or how we may look at things differently. It just, it's not there. Right. And it's really unfortunate that's happening because I feel that this can be a time where that burden is kind of lifted and it can be a more of a shared experience and it can be a collective experience where that as a African-American woman, you're not holding it all but everybody is taking their peace during this time. And I really feel like this is a really uh, important time, just not for the culture, but for workplace culture, you know what I mean? Where people can really say, you know what, how are we gonna set boundaries to protect individuals from having to be that voice? And what can we do to bring in other voices to not just teach us, but to also bring that awareness so that we can have our action plan. Yeah, it's so interesting that you talked about that workplace culture, because I think that that is such a place where people are not examining. And I talk about this all the time, but I'm like, y'all, there may be one thing happening at home, but now that we are needing to examine workplaces as well, like workplace has now like kind of like collided with home, like they're collided with home because you can't get away from it. And so now that like, dominant, unproductive, 
marginalizing workplace culture that you were experiencing at the workplace, people were like, oh, well, we're so focused. It's very different. I'm like, no, no, no. Now I'm just carrying that with me. I was already trying to leave it at work, quote unquote. But right. now that I am in a virtual space and a virtual environment, I'm having to carry that with me all the time. And what does that mean? How does that affect my productivity? How does that affect how I am, my well-being? I don't think those conversations are happening. I don't think people are considering that. I don't think people even are remotely aware of the shift in the new burden that's being put on by the workplace cultures that we haven't examined previous to pre-COVID and that we should have been examining and then like tearing apart in the first place. And now that we're at home, it's like, wait, I got to carry this literally in my living room, in my bedroom, wherever your office is, quote unquote. That's a problem. No, it's a major problem. And I'm just like, from a psychological perspective, down the line, it's going to do more harm than good. You know, stats are already showing that, hey, you know, we think the pandemic is one thing, but mental health is going to be a whole nother piece of the pandemic that people are going to have to start trying to deal with and manage and cope. How is that going to show up in the workplace? Right. And it's two pieces. It's like we hear the term transformation. We hear terms formation. Well, we might as well think about it. Our culture, whether it's personally or in the workplace, we're going through a cultural transformation and everybody needs to get in formation with it because a lot of things are going to start to show. So we need to make sure we're identifying the goals, we're setting the boundaries, and that whatever these expectations are that's associated with these macro and microaggressions, they really need to start to be spoken about. And most importantly, there needs to be action behind that because it's going to be a lot of consequences. Yeah. And let's just be clear, like when we're talking about it needs to be spoken about and it needs to be acted upon, that that should not be on the burden of the backs of Black people. I, I can't stress that enough because too many times, especially for Black women, like we become the savior. We go back yeah. to the election of 2020. We go back to so many things where it's like, hey, educate us, save us, help us figure out like what's wrong with our workplace culture, help us figure out how to shift things. No, this should be a collective effort. Like mm -hmm. we are being both marginalized and oppressed, but then we're also being told free everybody. Yeah. Really? How do you yeah. expect that to happen? And for us to still have time for ourselves, for our own mental health and well-being, and to do the things that we personally want to achieve and do for ourselves. You can't do it all. We shouldn't be expected to, nor should we be trying to rise up to do it all. And I think that's the other thing is that like we have to set some boundaries about what it looks like for us. Right. Because right. nobody else is going to do it for us. No, they're not, especially if they're not trying to know what the experience is or learn, because like we're saying, it's coming from that collective approach, right? And I do believe some companies, some people in, in these companies are advocates. They are trying to learn. They're trying to figure out the plan. And like I always say, look, we're not looking for perfection, but we are looking at progress, to changing behaviors and mannerisms and thoughts and emotions associated with the experience of what people have gone through as it relates to trauma. People carry that to work. And if you're saying you want folks to be their authentic selves, we need to take a little deep and dive. What is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to make that a best practice within our workplace culture? Yeah. 
And how are we going to measure it? Because, you know, companies love A plus B equals C. They love numbers and letters, you know? So, (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, how can we work collectively and not set the bar so high that you don't even hit it? You know, mm-hmm. you have to be okay not hitting that high bar, but you have to set a goal and hold boundaries so you can at least see some adjustment happening. And just even that progress is so important because I think so many times we get stuck on like the end end goal and not right. on the adjustments, the progress, and that it's okay to adjust. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to move in different ways. We're just so focused on the end goal has to look a certain way that we're not giving ourselves space or grace to say it can look different. You can adjust it. It can go in different ways and making sure that we're not missing that or allowing folks to put so much on themselves that they are not giving themselves that grace and space to move and flow how they need to and not how the world expects them to. Exactly. That's the piece right there. And there's a lot of work to be done. That's facts, you know? Yeah. You know, I wonder like how you are approaching your own kind of balance in everything, like trying to set, still have goals and things that you want for yourself and your life, your family personally, with all of the tensions of all of the weight and the expectations that the world is continuing to place on us. I will really say at this point in my everyday work life, I do have the platform to voice my opinion in the sense that it's like, well, Jess, you know, what what you think and what's going on? I'm very vocal. So I'm happy that I do work in a place where people are trying to hear that voice. They are trying to learn. However, sometimes you have to pick and choose still what you say, how you say it, and who you say it to. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's that political dance that you still have to do. I can honestly say I don't say face like I used to. It's like, look, I'm going to bring my whole self. And if I see something, I'm going to call it out. Yeah. Now I'm going to be very careful how I call it out. Right. But I'm going to make sure it gets to who it needs to get to because it's not okay. I don't think I've lost that political aspect filter. I'm definitely aware of it and I'm aware of it more so when I'm doing the dance a little bit more with folks that I'm interacting with and trying to figure out how to navigate. But I think my patience level has really gone down maybe in the last year, I would probably say it's probably in the last five years. And so my patience level for that dance has really gone down and I just, I'm having a hard time even trying to do it. So there are times where I'm like, I know in my head, you know, you have that trigger or that thought in your head that's like, I should be doing the dance, right? And there are times where I'm just like, I'm not even going to dance with you. Look, this is what what it is. I'm going to say it. You want to get mad at me? You know, like, do what you need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. But just like getting to the point where like, I just don't think I have personally even a tolerance level for it anymore where I can be like, I'm going to try to do this for a little bit because it just strikes such a chord with me. Mm-hmm. And I think it strikes such a chord because I feel like particularly in the last five years of my own personal career, I have definitely seen the harm that I potentially could let happen to others that look like me and workplaces if I don't say something, if I don't right. just don't go like all out. And I recognize that as a burden that I am like self-voluntarily taking on. And I do want some other folks to be like, I'm gonna take it on with you. I would love that. But I am just feeling this need of, 
I need to just like be the one that's like, I'm not even going to try this. I'm just going to be the one to model what it looks like to be a little bit off the chain and hope for the best and also be okay if the best doesn't come out. In the way that well, and I mean, and that's the piece of it, right? Is that, you know, at this point, everybody's voice is so important. You know, I have people come to me offline and speaking to me and then I'm bringing education because they're just like, Jess, I don't know. I can appreciate someone saying, I don't know to me, right? I can appreciate somebody coming to me saying, hey, Jess, this has been my experience. I really don't know what to do. And I feel like I don't have my voice. How did you get your voice? I can appreciate someone coming to me saying that and me coaching them through it and providing them feedback and trying to encourage and validate what they have experienced is not a you. It's not a you, it's them. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you have to protect yourself, even with the burden, right? Of the burden being placed on us in the workplace. It's also us being okay with finding our voice so it's like that double-edged sword you know and I think I'm also I'm dealing with the voice piece Jess where's my voice like how did you get your voice and I'm like you know you get to a point where what you gonna do you gonna shut up or you gonna speak up and if you shut up and if you're just there being quiet it's really not helping the cause of what a lot of people are doing in our society with people who really want to make DEI a conversation, the people that are doing things in the workplace, like you have to think there's a lot of people working grassroots, been working grassroots Mm -hmm. on this. And now there's a platform. So if you don't have a voice, you you better find you a new voice box. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, so it's both, you know, and I do agree with the patience piece that sometimes you just want to, you know, throw up your hands and be like, are you kidding me? Did this person really just say this, you know? <laughs> and a lot of times I have to take things a little bit offline, depending on who's on the call and mm-hmm. things like that, and depending on that situation in my relationship. But I think when I do speak up, it's helping. I'm planting a seed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I have to tell myself that progression and not perfection. Absolutely. And I think that's right, especially with like planting the seed and realizing that you may plant the seed, the shift may not happen while you're at that workplace. It may not. It may happen after you're no longer there, unfortunately. But I think it is a combination of like, how many seeds can you not only plant, but how can you start to water them? And who is going to help water them? Because like, you may plant the seed, but you can't be the only one. Then like, I gotta plant the seed, I gotta water it, I gotta make sure the flower grows, I gotta make sure it blooms, and I gotta make sure the flower stays alive. That's how we get into trouble. Because we're expected to do all of that Versus like, what if there was a team that could create and was responsible for planting seeds and tending to their own flowers and watching them grow? What would that garden then look like mm-hmm. if it was one person building it versus mm-hmm. everybody is actually involved in building the garden? Right. And when you're thinking, it goes back to what we're talking about, having that collective approach, right? Having the collective approach and allyship. And we're looking at these situations, right? We're identifying our actions. We're identifying our feelings. Like, 
who's involved and how can we get more people involved to tend our collective garden? (laughs) Because that's the only way I feel like anything is really going to happen. People got to band together. You have to stick together. You have to have your voice. And within having your voice, you have to really know what is your goal and what are your emotions involved and what really needs to be communicated to whether individual or to the group. This collective garden, something to keep coming back to where I think people don't understand and I'm hoping that they are starting to shift. But when I hear a lot of people saying, I'm listening and learning, I'm trying to do better. I'm like, to what ends? To what means? How are you planting seeds? How are you watering them? How are you watching them grow and making sure they stay blooming? And how are you a part of the collective garden that we really need to see and that we all need to be building so that again, back to our earlier points, it's not on one person to build it alone. And that one person isn't like, well, I'm trying to build this flower and grow this flower over here. But because I had to go help you all tend to your own seeds, and help you grow those, my flower died. Exactly. Me. Like me. How do yeah, internally, me. So how do we shift that so that each person is not burdened or one person is not burdened with making sure everybody else's flower blooms before their own? Yep. And we have to take a group approach to this. You know, what they say we're always stronger in numbers. Always stronger in numbers. So good to be back. I know. <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all soon and talk to you soon for the next episode of Black Compass. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on the Black Compass. Make sure to visit our websites at drjesswilliams.com and dynastyhunt.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you'll simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. And remember, the world shouldn't define where you go. Your internal black coffee should.